Today is Friday, February 2nd, and welcome to episode 292 of Fault Lines, the National Security Institute's podcast that gets you quickly up to speed three times a week on the foreign policy and national security debates shaking up America. I'm NSI's founder and executive director, Jamil Jaffer. I'm here with NSI's deputy executive director, Jessica Jones, and two of our senior fellows, Lester Munson and Morgan Vigna. Today, we're reviewing our Wednesday special episode of Fault Lines, NSI on the Ground, the New Hampshire primaries. As part of that effort, I interviewed three New Hampshireites on the national security and foreign policy debates shaking up America. We got a little bit of history about the famous Red Arrow Diner where I interviewed them. It's a great conversation. Today, we're going to deconstruct some of that conversation. So let's just jump right into it. You know, Les, uh, uh, Morgan, Jess, uh, this effort to interview New Hampshire folks follows on our effort to talk to four uh, folks in Iowa on the ground there. Um, I got the sense that the feeling in New Hampshire was similar to the feeling in Iowa, uh, namely that uh, the, that these average Americans um, who were thinking about voting and agreed to have a conversation about national security, although they were reticent, are very engaged in the sense of they understand the world's a dangerous place. They understand America has a role and they believe to a one, in my view, that America ought to lean forward and lead the world. They don't necessarily like how we're doing it. They may not think we're going down the right road. Some of them were opposed to doing Ukraine. Some of them didn't really understand or care about, about uh, Iran and the Middle East or think that was a big problem. They all felt China. They all felt fairly strongly about China being a potential threat. And they all wanted America to do something about it. They just didn't necessarily want it being done the way it was being done now. So that, that was my takeaway. Uh, Les, what did you think? Uh, first of all, Jamil, great job interviewing people. I liked <laughs> learning about the Red Arrow Diner. Your one compliment you, of 2024. And, yeah. And you, That's and all you I got. Found, That's and you it. found some terrific interviewees. I know a very small sample, but uh, very revealing interviews. And I do urge folks to go back and listen to the last episode. I thought it was terrific. Um, I My big takeaway was, I think it was from Tabitha, who said, you know, I, we need to, when we go and intervene in the world, we need to do it the right way and win and be successful. And I think that is a huge lesson for policymakers in Washington on both sides, including all of us who have views and have advocated for things or played some role in, in decision making. Uh, there's, a, there's a lot of hubris out there. We've made a lot of mistakes in the last 23 years from Afghanistan to Iraq to Ukraine to you name it. And I think we, we do need to be aware that when it doesn't work, there are huge consequences in terms of political support for the apparatus. There is not a lot of trust out there for presidents of either party to intervene in the world. We should, we should, uh, everyone should listen to that episode, uh, from a couple of days ago and take it to heart and realize there are huge consequences when our decision making doesn't work out the right way. Well, I want to hear what you th what you think the right way is and what 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 good looks like since you've been critical of, you know, multiple presidents going all the way back to all the way back to uh, George W. Bush, uh, maybe even Bill Clinton. Uh, but but let me let me first figure out wh whether whether that's the right takeaway. So Jess, I mean, do you think that's the right takeaway from what folks like Tabitha and and the rest said on that on that uh, on those interviews Nick and the like? I actually walked away from the conversation in New Hampshire actually feeling like it was pretty different from Iowa. So I might be like the outlier here. Huh. I, I got the sense that Folks are more focused at home, whether it was the border, fentanyl, um, spending money here in the U.S. to help American citizens rather than abroad. Um, and so while I, I liked the conversation about issues with China and the threat of China, which we didn't hear as much about in Iowa, um, and mm. I, I thought that was really important. And, and that messaging is, 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 you know, getting through, even though folks didn't really know too much about Taiwan, which I feel like policymakers are, you know, we do war games and crisis simulations and all these, all this conversation about Taiwan and no one seems to really pick up on that as much. I didn't walk away feeling as positive about the messaging of American leadership in, in, in the geopolitical stage, actually. Huh. 
Interesting. You know, it's funny you say that about China because I did get the sense in Iowa that people understood the Chinese threat um, and 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 related to it. So uh, essentially, we have such a different takeaway mm-hmm. on the same set of interviews. Morgan, where, where 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 do you come in on all this stuff? You know, this presidential election is going to be incredibly consequential for national security. Mm-hmm. The next American president is going to be facing a far less secure war, whether that is Joe Biden, Donald Trump, or Nikki Haley. Um, we are seeing wars in Ukraine, the Middle East. China is now considered a near-peer competitor, and Iran is inching closer to nuclear weaponization. So, you know, the American people know that these threats are real. They know that they're there, and they want a strong America abroad. That was a huge takeaway, I thought. You know, even if they can't necessarily articulate the solutions. No, it does not surprise me that your first interviewee said that immigration and fentanyl and drug trafficking um, was his national security priority. You know, the other two interviewees, you know, had people who served in the military that you're obviously concerned about U.S. engagement abroad. I think the reference to Afghanistan was particularly poignant. Um, This is tangible. This is real. This affects Americans. And so they they clearly care about national security issues, even if they can't or they don't feel confident necessarily to talk about the the dynamics on the ground and how that affects them directly at home. Yeah, I love that point. And I, I think it's really interesting. They also talked both to at least two of our interviewees, and this actually reflects back on at least one or two of the interviews in Iowa as well, talked a lot about veterans and, and our failings with veterans and, and what we do when, when our men and women come back. I think part of what affects Americans' view of how successful we've been is how we treat those that come back, whether, and, and by the way, one of our interviewees talked about how we treat our allies in Afghanistan, something that we've talked about a lot on this podcast. And you wonder whether that resonates in America. And it turns out, at least for people who've had some experience who have had veterans who have been served um, in, in Afghanistan, there is that connection. And so I think you're exactly right, Morgan. I do think that, that the American people are out there and want leadership. The question is, where are they going to get it from? Because at the current, you point out, you know, Nikki Haley and, and Joe Biden and, and Donald Trump, we probably ought to add in, you know, Dean Phillips and maybe even Michelle Obama, you know, if you believe some of the rumors um, on, the, on the Democratic side. Um, but look, I mean, I think that what the American people want is real leadership. And, and when I look at, current slate of leading candidates for presidential election. And I'll, I'll leave out my own personal views on this, but like at least the immediate former president, the current president, I don't think, I don't think people see them as leading the nation forward when it comes to these issues. That's a real challenge. Less, I mean, am I wrong about that? Cause I think that you have a different take on this. Yeah, I think uh, it's, it's fine to say leadership, but I think what, what the leadership that American voters are looking for and you talk to them is leadership that works. They don't want to go fight every single fight and have us lose three out of four. They want they wins. Want, what is they want, they they want, want wins on the on. scoreboard, whatever those they are want, and however we get them. That's they want, what they want. They want to pick one and win it. And I think there's there's a, a very grounding human truth there that the example of success in one place means that you don't have to do things in other places. We need to be more selective, more modest in our ambitions. You know, Teddy Roosevelt said speak softly and carry a big stick. You should use that stick one time, but you should use it effectively and win, right? And not go around talking smack to everyone in the world. And so I think I think what, what voters see is a series of presidents that have not handled these decisions very well. Yes, we could, we could argue about some of the individual decisions. Some of them have been better than others. Uh, and I'm not necessarily talking just about interventions. Pulling out of Iraq back in 2011, big mistake. Pulling out of Afghanistan in 2021, went terribly. Those things didn't go well. That doesn't mean the 
the intervention in the first place was a good idea. But, you know, managing these things successfully and smartly is what the American people are looking for and good for them. And they should demand better from their uh, their policymakers. Morgan, is that right? What does good look like? I mean, Les has this has a theory that they, they ought to pick one thing and really win it. I mean, is that is that realistic in a world where there's a war in Europe, there's a war in the Middle East, China's about to, you know, may invade Taiwan, right? I mean, there are fires all around the world, right? Nikki Haley said the world's on fire, right? I said that too. I said it first, by the way. Um, just for the record. Um, who, who are you, Donald Trump? What, what, did you invent, invent fake news too? Give me a break. He just the internet, just he, invented, he invented the internet too. So thank you. So we're all on Zoom together. Are you an AI? <laughs> but Morgan, I mean, do we, what is, what is a win? What is, what, what, where should we pick amongst all these fires? Which fire should we pick and how do we win it? Is you know, there, I, is there a way? Yeah. Look, the United States is a global leader. We don't necessarily get to choose here. Right. I think, look, I, I understand Les's point. Uh, you know, you clearly had, you know, some of your interviewees say that, you know, American foreign policy has been, you know, bust for about a decade now, going back a decade. Look, I think it's hard to articulate some massive wins here for the United States. But at the same time, the United States as a global leader has an obligation and a responsibility to ensure that it sustains that momentum, it sustains its strength, and it does that by by being involved overseas, yeah. by engaging with these very difficult situations. Yeah. All right, Jess, you get the last word since you had the, the sort of alternate <laughs> theory of what happened in New Hampshire for the rest of us. What at, at the end of the day, if you had a core takeaway from these two conversations, the conversation in Iowa, the conversation in New Hampshire, What's your core takeaway? I mean, my core takeaway would also take an account to our conversations because I was thinking about what the three of us have been really our conversation this morning. Just I think the feeling, yeah. whether it's at home and abroad, that the world is changing and it's hard to articula articulate and understand like these huge amounts of change and where the average person fits in and what our president or our Congress members can do for us. I think people are trying to figure that out. Like, how does America lead in a changing world? What does that look like to your point? Like, what is a win? How do we do that? How do we feel safe? And I think everyone's just trying to figure that out. And so you see the average voter trying to like talk to you about that. And it's hard for us. I, I think it's just a hard conversation to have when it comes to yeah. the world stage. So that's what I take away from these conversations. Like, how does how does America lead in the world that's changing? All right, folks, that's a wrap. Thanks so much to Devlin Burney, Claude Jennings, and the NSI staff for the help in producing today's episode. Join us again on Monday, February 5th for another episode of Fault Lines, the National Security Institute's podcast that gets you smart fast on the national security and foreign policy base shaking up America. Fault Lines is now on YouTube so you can see our smiling faces and watch some really cool videos of all these interviews in Iowa and New Hampshire. So check out our channel on YouTube for video of today's episode. And if you like what you heard or saw on YouTube, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe. Have a great weekend.